You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, Ethan. Hello. Do you know what I was literally just thinking as we heard that intro music? Tell me. I was listening to a podcast recently, also a podcast hosted by two church employees. Oh, what do you know? Was it us? (laughs) Yes, it was us. (laughs) It was me. I'm trying not to be egotistical. But they apparently, this is a recent episode of theirs, and they apparently had just gotten like a, when I say soundboard, what I mean is they had this box or something with buttons on it for sound bites for sound bites that they they had access to and they could press for sure yeah and create these sound effects and it was really funny because they were just getting the hang of it apparently you know what i mean Uh, yes and just starting to use it and i started thinking man i bet that would be a dream come true for zach right there is if ethan and i you know (laughs) we had access to our little sound thing yeah i'm sure he'd love that oh my word sure he would really i don't know if i could use that responsibly that's I all oh, know. I would I would use irresponsibly. It would just be like joke sounds that two people, like two listeners, <laughs> yeah, understood, and maybe those two are us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's possible. <laughs> uh, or I would be like constantly dropping the you know like dur, 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 oh, yeah, you yeah. know like something once like you that. have that power. Oh yeah, how can you not use that? I am not worthy of that. It's um I feel I would feel like Gandalf. I was oh I was thinking that with too. Ring, like I would use this for good. What threw me? <laughs> it wanted a power too great and terrible to imagine. Yes, absolutely. So, don't ever let us do that, anyone. I don't know who I'm talking to when I say that. I don't know who would even... Zach, I guess, I'm talking, don't let us do that. Yeah, I don't That's think... That's it. I think he's got it under control. Yeah, he does. He does. So, sound effect. Transition sound effect. Yeah, just That's like what I that. Would do. We'll just sample that one. Yeah. <laughs> No, so today we are going to dig into the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. This little series on the Lord's Prayer here. So, much like the Ten Commandments in the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer begins with God, fittingly enough. Mm. I mean, as one would, I mean, hope with a prayer especially, you know. You address, you address who you're praying to. Yeah, you know, got to kind of know that you're talking to God. Yeah, and just not just like exuding sentiment to the universe. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, you know, heaven forbid, like trying to talk to... Mary. Mary or Zeus or... or Zeus. Uh, Odin. Odin. That would be a disaster. That he would just be. kill you. Yeah, he was not... Not a great guy. No. Bad um, father figure. Yeah. Again, no one asked for this, but you have Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> uh, yeah, you do. And you have Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins, Excellent. whom I love. Love, love Anthony Hopkins. His mm-hmm. his portrayal of Odin, delightful, wonderful. Yeah. However, last summer, I read Neil Gaiman wrote his own version of Norse mythology. Like really? he just He took the whole Norse ah. mythology, like a bunch of their key stories, and wrote his own treatment of them. Very fun. Odin was terrible. He was terrible. He uh, awful. Yeah, even Thor was quite they were all they were horrendous they were they were all isn't a surprise the greek gods were terrible as well yeah the whole really terrible whole pantheon of gods really just kind of petty and yeah thor was really not oh my gosh he was not bright i mean to begin like very blunt instrument would it fit his personality it did because he himself was a blunt instrument he was he was and um odin was like honestly he is like the perfect villainous tyrant in the scariest way. Yeah. Like, we'll do the darkest things to achieve exactly what he wants and have ultimate power, and yet he, in, with every arsenal you can imagine at his beck and call. Yeah. It's, fri- it's frightening how much control 
oh my gosh, it's like existence in that pantheon would have been like a police state. Yes. And I was, I'm wondering like, why would you want to no, no, no. worship these you could gods? I only, only live in fear That's of it. that word. Right, exactly. No, no, no. So we're not praying to a god like, we're not praying to any of those gods. Bye. Hopefully. <laughs> I did, a friend of mine is neighbors with a self-professed Odinist. Odinist. So yeah, that's kind of always on my mind. Weird. I mean, not always on my mind, but you know what I mean? That's yeah. like who. Must be rough for him. Yeah, strange. So. Anyway, our prayer begins with God, the one true living God. And the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm going to use the King James because that's just, I think, the one that's most embedded on our For sure. collective conscious. So no problem, you know, obviously if you're reading the ESV or the NIV and it's, you know, Our Father in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name. But this is not an elitism. No, it's not. But I'm just going to quote that one because it's the one that I can call to mind immediately. There's so much richness and goodness mm. in that one line. It's hard to know where to begin, but uh, we might as well start at the beginning. So, <laughs> Well, this this is like a, one of those moments where you said something that feels fairly straightforward, and then you go, there's so much in that single line. And I'm like, whoop, this is more complicated than I expected. <laughs> we do do that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but I do get what you're saying. Like, I'm, I'm tracking with you because the first two words are already communicating something like very profound. Mm-hmm. Our father is immediately defining a relationship. There, yeah. There's community in that, a, a care mm-hmm. in that relationship. There's a lot packaged in that. There is. There is so much. So right away, first let's note how amazing it is that Jesus is telling us to pray to God Almighty as our Father. That's how he's leading the prayer. It's like, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but this is not a normal thing for the faithful to do at this point in history. That wouldn't naturally occur to me, honestly. I don't think there would have been any Israelite who necessarily would have had a big problem with saying, well, God is our Father. But like, for instance, I mean, in John, when the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, they say, God is our Father. And then Jesus is like, well, no, you're born of your father, the devil. Oh. Um, you know, do, 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 do. that's right. Insert that. Exactly. Um, yes. So there is a sense in which they understand God is their father, but their prayers most certainly didn't start there. Like their prayers, I mean, you go read like Solomon's prayer, the dedication of the temple. The prayers really, they're stressing God's transcendence and his glory and his strength, his greatness and grandeur. I mean, those are things that are really stressing in their prayers. So father is not really the first thing they're thinking, and it's not going to be how they're going to address him. I think their their problem is that that feels too familiar. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. There's, you know what I mean? Um, it can feel casual. Exactly. And then you get into real craziness when Jesus is calling God not just like pater, father, but calling him Abba. Exactly. Which, again, not something else you didn't ask for, but when people are like, an Abba is like daddy. <sighs> no, that makes me uncomfortable. It does. Two, it's not, a, I had a Greek professor who I thought was, this is very helpful to me personally in that, because I was like, why do I feel so, like, if that's true, I shouldn't feel so weirded out by it. <laughs> Hello, culture. Yeah. But he said that Abba is closer to, like, the European Papa, Aww, um, which is much uh... more, I think that is more, like, warm and endearing. But... All that is to say, Jesus is bringing all this home to say that first and foremost, we ought to approach God as our father. Like that, that is how we ought to approach him because he's the father who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving transgressions and disobedience and sin. He is the one who disciplines his children without any unholy anger or any wrath. Basically, Jesus wants us to see right at the beginning of our prayers that God is the archetypal father. He is everything a father ought to be. Everything that our fathers soften are not. I, I do think this is, would probably be an appropriate place to acknowledge that for some people, this concept is a little more difficult, I think, to wrap their heart around for because, sure. you know, 
you get your first inkling of what a father is from from your earthly father your earthly father that's yeah. where you get that first image and inkling of it and some people had a very you know well some people didn't have a father around some people had abusive fathers mm-hmm. so i think this can be difficult for people and i think it's without having to get into all of the weeds of what that would entail that this is one of christ's ways of reframing what that father figure is supposed to look like for us yeah and saying that like your earthly father is not the archetype your father in heaven is the archetype and he wants us to see that and notice also that god is our father so you pointed that out with the the community aspect in other words becoming a child of god means being adopted into a family with other children not that you can't pray to my father i mean god is personal to us like that of um, course yeah you have the apostle paul saying the son of god loved me and gave himself for me. That's very true. Very, very personal. But when Jesus is highlighting it here in the prayer, he's saying our father, as opposed to saying my father. So this is a corporate prayer. There's a sense in which this is meant to be said with others. Yeah. I know this is maybe strange to say, but that feels unique to me mm-hmm. personally, at least where, where my relationship to prayer is. Because I often engage in a more private, solitary, more personal. That's that's what I'm most familiar with and mm-hmm. comfortable with. When we then enter into this kind of corporate recited thing, yeah, we mentioned earlier, it can so easily feel like a, an exercise, a, yeah. a little practice that you're all doing together. This mm-hmm. is your tradition. Yeah, You can quickly lose and, and forget how much it's really said. Yeah, yeah. And I also find it interesting to note that it is still important that, uh, I mean, just before Jesus introduces the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, I mean, he talks about when you pray, go into your closet in secret and pray, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Because there is a difference between the people who, you know, they pray as a public display of, of look course. at how holy and righteous I am. You know, let everyone see me. Exactly. And at the same time, though, recognizing there is still a corporate element to prayer. You There's know, like, a right way to share that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, you know, it's not like when, for instance, if I go up on a Sunday morning and I'm leading the congregation in prayer, it's not like, right, <laughs> be right back. I'm going to lead us in prayer, but I need to sneak into the, you know, the, the side closet over here and I'm going to do it in private and um. then I'll come back out when I'm done. Right. Like there is a sense in which prayer is still a corporate thing that we're meant to do together and just figuring out how to do that. And the Lord's Prayer is one of the ways that shows us how to do that appropriately. Now, this also, I think, touches on the nature of salvation, too, (laughs) because it also means that God is our Father and not the Father of everyone, universally speaking. So, put it another way, this father-child relationship is only a reality for those who believe in Jesus, right? For those who, you know, like, Jesus is teaching this prayer to his disciples. He's not teaching it to the unbelieving Jews. He's not teaching it to the hypocrites. He's not teaching it to the Gentiles who don't want to have anything to do with it. He's answering, you know, the question for his disciples, teach us how to pray. It shows us that this access to God as our Father is unique to us as believers. It's a unique privilege. I think it was Tim Keller who phrased it like this. He would say God is still king overall, right? Like, I mean, he's he's the Lord of the universe, True, right? Like, yeah. it's not like... He's not just king over people who happen to believe in him. Right, yeah, like, he, he sustains the whole universe by the word of his power. He rules over it all. But... Only a child would dare wake a king at three in the morning to ask him for a cup of water, right? (laughs) But since we are children, we do have that kind of access Mm. that others don't have. That makes me feel very small. (laughs) (laughs) Right there with you. The thing about that, that recognition almost makes me feel ungrateful Mm. in a way. I've said before how much I love the language of kingship 
in in this kind of relationship because it it inspires this idea of of majesty. Yeah, you know, it has this grandeur about it, and it also is kind of humbling given the rest of the story yeah. that he would then die. Right. Um, but in that example specifically, like waking a king for a glass of water, it feels like you're you're given something that you could never deserve on your own. Ha ha. Yeah. Funny how that works. Grace. Uh, <laughs> it's like. How am I ever in the right to be given such such access? Like how yeah. humbling that feels to me. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a beautiful effect that something like this should produce in yeah. us because we don't like, yeah, like it's not like, oh, like I've earned the right to be called. I think even this is the language Paul would use. Like I've not earned the right to become and be called a child of God. Mm. Like it's not like, like, well, look at me. I was so, you know, yeah. I've been so perfect and holy and <laughs> God just couldn't wait to adopt me into his family. <laughs> you know, like- I was anything but those, and mm-hmm. God, in his fatherly love and care, was willing to send his son to die so that I could be adopted, and uh, so that his love could be fully demonstrated, even while, this is Paul, even while we were still sinners, yep. Christ died for us so that we might become the children of God. And I do think that is incredibly humbling, which actually brings us to the fact that we don't lose the transcendence of God in this prayer either. So we do have that incredibly familiar, warm approach to God as our Father. But Jesus also tells us that we pray to our Father who art in heaven, Mm. right? So he is still the God who spoke worlds into existence, who exists, I mean, for lack of a better term, in a completely different dimension than us. Words fall short of describing the reality of who God is. Like we just, we cannot, I forget which which theologian it was, it's like, no one knows who God is in his purest essence. We just can't fathom that. Our minds are simply not capable. Yeah, we can't do that. We only know God as he has revealed himself to our finite minds. So, I mean, yeah, he is the God who is in heaven, who upholds the whole cosmos by the mere word of his power. He's the Lord of the angels and the archangels. He's more perfect and righteous and just. I mean, a sight of his unveiled glory would destroy us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't... how frequently... That was was veiled in one capacity or another in the Old Testament. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have like Moses saying, show me your glory. And God's like, well, I'll show you, (laughs) you know, to speak uh, in human terms, I'll show you my back. Exactly. I cannot show you my unveiled face because that would destroy you. (laughs) Or, I mean, all the times, this is completely an aside just for for fun. But um, when you're talking about like seeing the glory of God, because one day we will have the capacity to somehow see his glory without you know, being destroyed by it, which is going to be, you know, theologians call it the beatific vision. You know, it's going to be this beautiful moment that we were like, that that's like what we hunger for. Like we want to see God, but we sing songs and we pray prayer, like, you know, God, show me your glory, which I like, I like, we should do that. That's great. Great song. But sometimes when like I'm singing that or I'm, I'm praying that, or I hear someone praying that I will stop myself. I'm like, do I understand what I'm asking for when I do that? Because yeah. no one who saw God's glory Even Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, when his glory was briefly unveiled, no one who saw that was like, this is a great moment (laughs) to be here. The universe response is, I'm going to die. Like, woe is me. Like, I'm on, I I can't handle this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I want it. So that's, that's still true of God. Like, even though we approach that God as our father, though, which is the, one of the most amazing things I think about him is like, that is the God who is our father. Mm -hmm. 
He is for us. He loves us. He invites us to pray. He wants us to cast our cares before him. He wants us to bring our burdens and lay them at his feet. Like he wants that. I always, I mean, after all these decades, I still sometimes feel like God just gets impatient with me and, you know, my petty requests and like, oh my gosh, he has to forgive this long laundry list of sins constantly. Yeah. And like he has to get worn out by it. He does not. Like, I think the thing that would more, to speak again in human terms, that would be more upsetting to him is when we don't do that, when we aren't going to come to him and we don't bring those things before him. Again, it's not as if he doesn't know those things. Like I just can't forget. He knows all that stuff already. So why am I withholding it? Well, it must mean there's something in my heart that doesn't completely trust him yet or doesn't love him fully or something like that. And that, I think, would be more heartbreaking to him. Um, to use those terms. So he wants us to do that. And again, Jesus is the one teaching us to pray this way, right? He's the one telling us, pray to your father in heaven, which again, that's the, one of the, I think more amazing things about God is how you have all of these like paradoxical superlative excellencies, to use all these weird words, (laughs) like combining in God, you know, like he's your father, but he's God in heaven. And, you know, like Jesus is the lamb who was slain and he's the lion of Judah. Like all these things, like he is in one. It's really remarkable because we, we're not quite like that. Like we're not whole people yet. We're still fractured and like disintegrated, so to speak. Like there's something discongruent about who we are as human beings because the image of God within us has been marred by sin. Right. God is completely whole though. Complete integrity. Like he is who he is. And he can be, again, our father in heaven, near, warm, affectionate. And he's our father in heaven, transcendent, you know, beyond our ability to comprehend. All in like, the same God. Do these things seem like a, a dichotomy to us because we're we're not capable? Yeah, and I think of that's being both. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. It's like we just can't. Like, well, I can't be both of those yeah. like things. It's unreal you know I mean? to me. Yeah, like and yet how, God, who is capable of holding both facets of yeah. the, of this, you know, of these qualities at the same time. Yes, I find that remarkable. So that's the foundation for the prayer. Is we're coming to our Father who art in heaven, and once that foundation's been laid, now we come to the actual petition. So that's kind of our, you know, intro. Yeah, the lead petition that sets the tone for the rest of the prayer is hallowed be thy name now we don't really use the word hallowed anymore <laughs> i think that can be kind of like we just kind of breeze through this part I love it, you know though. what i mean i love that word i do like that word a lot well i guess we do have it in like modified forms so like in halloween which we did an episode on that a while back i think but halloween that's just the shortened form of all hallows eve so that was the day before all saints day so Hallowed means like make holy, consecrated, sacred, all hallows day, all saints day, all holy ones day. Eve, get all that shortened, it's Halloween. Go back and listen to the episode. If that was confusing, if I didn't already confuse you more, just go back and listen to our Halloween episode. But in short, what we're asking is that God's name would be esteemed as holy in our midst and in the world. That's basically when we're saying hallowed be thy name, we're asking let your name be esteemed as holy. And because the name was so closely linked to the essence and activity of a person in antiquity, right? We don't like our name is just kind of a designator now. Like that's how we use names. Sure. Like, it's just kind of just to designate something. But in the olden days, your name, I mean, it was so wrapped up with just who you were. Like, I mean, you see, like when God changes someone's name, oh yeah, it's not just I'm changing your designation. It's like, I'm changing something about who you are. So when we're asking, hallowed be thy name, we're asking that people would treat and speak of God reverently and that people would see him as he actually is. So like, we don't want people to think lightly or wrongly about God. We want people to see him as the Holy One in our midst. And we certainly don't want them to think wrongly about him because of how we are living. So it kind of comes back to us too. Like, hallowed be 
thy name like in my life so like people can recognize I am treating you yeah. as who you actually are. That's a good point because I think with this 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 opening line it it has this unique balance to it. Like you were just I mean you were explaining how we have the language of father mm-hmm. which can in some ways feel almost pedestrian. Yeah. Um but it it brings this impossibly big cosmic entity a little bit closer to us. Yeah. And it helps hold those those two facets together at once. But I, I like that that is immediately followed with with this language that is reinforcing like a holiness and a sacredness. Yeah. Because of our our personal understanding of father can be extremely casual. You can have this um, I want to say nonchalance. Sure. About yeah. it. That like that is not maybe necessarily wrong in every capacity to, to, to have a familiarity and a comfort. Yeah. To instantly and and easily reach out to God. But at the same time you could find yourself with without a respect or yeah. or a, a reverence. Yeah, exactly. So, it's yeah, to have this as a like let this be true, let this be true in my heart. Yeah. Like the psalmist would say, you know, rejoicing with trembling kind of a thing. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, like to be able to come in and like be joyful and near and yeah. familiar and make it be at ease and at the same time like I'm in the presence of God. And to be able to have both of those and that's just again, I think that's weird to us. Like we just don't see how that can be. And yet I think Again, words just kind of fall short of the reality, but like if you've experienced this in worship or in prayer or as you're listening to a sermon or as you're taking a drive, I mean, I think you do have these moments where you kind of, you do feel that, like a moment when you're better than you know how to be and like you... You just, you feel it. Like, it's just, and it's inexplicable. Like, you can't work it up. It really is a, I think, a divine gift that, like, when you have that, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name moment. And he's like, okay, I'll give you that. And you feel this, like, overwhelming joy and also this overwhelming sense of I am in the presence of something, like... There's a recognition. Yeah. And it's just so, like, it's one of those things you just have to... It's like, you got to jump in the water. Like, you just, you can't know. It's like trying to describe how honey or coffee tastes as opposed to just tasting it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, like there's some things you can't know until you've experienced them. And I think this is one of those things. And I do think it's interesting that Jesus tells us we ought to pray for this because it's not as if God's holiness changes, right? Like when we say, hallowed be thy name. Mm. Like, it's not as if we're saying like, well, your name's not holy, so make it holy, right? Yeah. It's weird to point that out because I think it's, it's be, it's be not is. Yeah. I think I have always thought of it as is yeah how it is my name it just is yeah. i'm stating a fact i'm yeah it's this is a reminder yeah okay but he's asking, hallowed be thy name interesting go yeah. on so so again no it's not as if he makes himself more holy it's not as if we're asking like okay like well somehow your holiness is diminished so could you change that god why is jesus telling us ask for this yeah I think the shortish answer, that's all we have time for, is that we need to pray for this not because God will somehow increase in holiness, but because God himself must open the eyes of blind people to see his inherent holiness. So, in other words, what we're asking, spiritually speaking, is that God would unblind people, basically, because everyone is born spiritually blind to God's beauty and glory and goodness, right? Like, we're not born seeing that. And even as Christians, right, me as a Christian, there are... Well, like, okay, recently, just as a, an example of this, I was reading Romans 5, and that's the chapter where Paul is talking about, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Like, that's kind of the theme he's working in that chapter. And I'm, like, trying to wrap my head around how amazing what he's saying is. That, like, I have peace with this God who, like, all I deserve of my own accord is wrath. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was weird because, like, I'm reading that, I'm like, I should feel... <laughs> more grateful. I should feel more uh, stunned. I should. I should feel. I should feel more. Yeah. But I was reading it. And I was like, "That's the sentence." Yeah. Like, cool. Okay. Yep. 
And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I, I, like, I, recogn- I don't often recognize that. And I was reading it. I was like, no, like, that's not like, I, this is amazing. Like, what is wrong with me? And I thought about this, like, okay, Christians even don't have this. Like, yeah. our, we are so often dulled to the sight of who God is. And so we're both, I think, asking God, open the eyes of the spiritually blind who haven't seen you yet. So that they would like see you and come to love you and adore you and worship you. And I'm asking in my own life, God, open the eyes of my heart Mm. again, because they've grown dull so that I can see you for who you are. And so that I will worship you and respond to you appropriately because I so often don't see you as you are. To make it to make it real to me, to bring that truthfulness yes. back. Yes, exactly. So all that is to say is I think that's what we're getting at when we're saying, hallowed be thy name. Wow. We're asking for those. That, was, that was kind of the unexpected curveball for me. There we go. Yeah. We always got to throw some of those in there, you know, yeah. a nice zinger in there. So that's the first petition of the Lord's Prayer right there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mm. So there you have it. Well, thank you as always for listening. Uh, we do hope this was a helpful podcast for you. Hopefully it enriches your prayer life even today even in this moment if you have any questions on this or any other topic as always you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net you can interact with us on social media and if you found this episode helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review that would be great would be great we would praise the lord for that you know yeah we would so thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time Mm -hmm.